Medicare has a history of taking bold steps to reform the provider payment system, but recently innovation has been slower, and the program is facing the dual challenges of growing enrollment and increasing per-enrollee spending. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Paul Ginsberg, a professor of the Practice of Health Policy and Management at the University of Southern California, Saul Price School of Public Policy. Professor Ginsberg has co-authored a perspective article on the future of Medicare payment reform. Professor Ginsberg, looking at some of that history, you write in your article that the inpatient hospital prospective payment system, which Medicare implemented in 1983, motivated Medicaid and private payers to make similar changes. Are there additional examples of innovation by Medicare that then inspired other programs? Well, actually, I think the innovation that was most followed has been the Medicare physician fee schedule that not only has had close to universal adoption in Medicaid, but almost all private insurers use the Medicare relative value scale in their own contracting with physicians. So looking at more recent history, you write the sustainable growth rate formula, the SGR, caused well-known problems for more than a decade before it was replaced. And the changes now to Medicare's benefit structure haven't kept pace with private plans. So why has it been so difficult to reform Medicare policies that aren't working? Sure. Let me talk separately about the two things that you mentioned. As far as innovating in, say, provider payments, my sense is that rather than attribute this to the Medicare program, I just probably say that Washington seems to be more cautious these days than it was back in the 1980s, in particular as far as making changes that based on limited evidence of what might work. There really is a lot of uncertainty today about which of the approaches and visions will turn out to be successful. But in some ways, you'd say there's even more evidence out there than there was back in the 1980s about how paying hospitals differently or physicians differently would turn out. So I think there is increasing caution. I think it may be the greater role of various stakeholders, perhaps meaning it takes more to get something to the finish line. I think the SGR is a separate case, and it's a case, although I think we're going to increasingly see examples in other spheres, it's a case of enacting a policy which seemed easy at the time in SGR, the legislation that the origin of it was in 1997, and this is unrealistic legislation that sets parameters which are unlikely to be sustainable. So the sustainable growth rate legislation was not sustainable, and Congress started realizing this back in 2003, where it basically interrupted the SGR formula. And because of the budget environment, it didn't simply shut it down forever because it would have to find too many other policy changes to pay for it. So it did it for a year, and then it did it for another year. So in a sense, SGR, it's a matter of having perhaps been irresponsible in making commitments to save money and then not being able to follow through on it. You mentioned current experiments. How successful have alternative payment models, bundled payments, accountable care organizations, patient-centered medical homes been to date? And why have so many provider organizations hesitated to embrace these Medicare pilots? Well, so far, there has not been a lot of solid success. What I find striking now is the degree of enthusiasm and broadly among so many stakeholders for the broad direction in payment reform. 
So they all think that this is the way to go. But I think when it's come to specific approaches, that's where the problems have been. So in a sense, they all want to go in this direction. No specific initiative has had great success so far. But for the most part, the reactions to the mixed records have been, well, it's going to be a long process until we get this right, but we clearly want to go in this direction. With these alternative payment models, you write that providers have been burdened by a lack of alignment among payers on what quality measures they're going to use. Has there been any effort to create common quality measures for Medicare and Medicaid private payers? There are some discussions going on now to try to do this. I think there's history in many other areas where private insurers and Medicaid programs have followed the Medicare program because that was the path of least resistance. I think in the case of quality measures, there's been so little enthusiasm as to the steps that Medicare has taken. And this is what has led the other payers to find their own way. So I don't think we're going to have a situation of following Medicare But I think what's promising is the discussions going on that have included the various provider groups and Medicare and Medicaid and private insurers to see if they could come to a consensus and on their own, each party would pursue that consensus. You talk about some possible reforms in your article, one of them the possibility of introducing competitive bidding to reduce Medicare payments. How would that work for traditional Medicare plans for Medicare Advantage? And what are the political barriers to something like that? I think competitive bidding is something that you use in targeted ways. So, for example, Medicare has had some good success in using competitive bidding, this is in the traditional program, to get lower rates for durable medical equipment. There have been a lot of ideas discussed over a long period of time of using competitive bidding for Medicare Advantage plans. So those are the two instances where I see there is potential, but I can't just say, well, in general, we're going to replace the mechanisms we have in Medicare with competitive bidding, because competitive bidding to be successful means that it needs to have consequences. And it was so controversial in durable medical equipment because the consequences were that the loser providers of these services We're basically out of the Medicare program in those areas, so they're very difficult to do politically. The term competitive bidding outside of healthcare usually means there's going to be a winning organization and a number of losing organizations. That's usually not what people have in mind when they talk about competitive bidding in healthcare, particularly in the Medicare Advantage area, where competitive bidding is really talking about not that some plans won't be allowed to market their products in the Medicare Advantage market, but simply that it's going to be part of the mechanism for establishing what Medicare pays the plans to provide Medicare Advantage services. Now, in the competitive bidding for durable medical equipment area, that gets closer to the traditional meaning of competitive bidding because the suppliers of durable medical equipment that did not win, they actually are out of the market at least for a bidding cycle in Medicare. Of course, there was a need to go to more than one winner in this sphere. So in each case, I think there are opportunities in Medicare to do competitive bidding, but to do them in targeted areas. And in each case, you have to figure out exactly what you're doing. I don't see it being a broad solution for Medicare at all. Finally, what would the reforms you suggest mean for individual physicians who participate in Medicare? 
I think one of the big challenges that must be on the minds of many individual physicians is with the recent SGR fix, and that part of it that I believe has the most potential is what's called alternative payment models, and specifically physicians who participate enough in alternative payment models will get higher rates for physician services in Medicare. But the real challenge is going to be to make sure that there are good opportunities for large numbers of physicians who are so inclined to actually participate in alternative payment models. And I think this is going to increase pressure not only to develop models that are somewhat customized to different specialties. For example, Medicare is now experimenting with a bundled payment model that is for chemotherapy. And that is pretty different than the model that's used for inpatient surgeries, such as joint replacement or many heart surgeries. I think there's going to be a need to come up with customized models that are relevant for other specialty areas, such as how do you do bundled payment for a colonoscopy. I think there's also going to need to be changes in the cannibal care organization model because the current model really does not have many opportunities for physician participation outside of primary care. So I would like to see the model being revised to actually create a role for specialists as well as primary care physicians. And again, thinking of the alternative payment model path in the SGR fix There's really a need to make sure there are ample opportunities for specialists before this moves forward. Thank you, Professor Ginsburg.